Turn with me, please, in Luke chapter 14. I want to look tonight at verses 15 to 24. Come, yet there is room. As we look at this passage, we really have two goals that I want to pursue this, this evening. Number one, regarding salvation, we prayed for VBS, prayed for the children coming, but maybe even in this room there are some that don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Um, do you have a false sense of security? And secondly, as we continue our theme, who is your one? Are we praying for our one? Um, God has bidden us to go out in the streets and the highways and to invite people to come in, as we see in this great parable. Follow with me, please, as I read Luke chapter 14, 15 to 24, and then we'll open in prayer. When one of those who had reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Let's open in prayer. God, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Fathers, we just prayed for the souls of young people, yea, families. Father, we know the gospel changes lives. The gospel takes people that are blind, dead spiritually, separated from you, and brings them from a hopeless to a hopeful condition, changes their eternity. God, our desire is for the gospel to make such an inroad this week. But Father, we're not just after this week. As we think of each of us and our responsibility to go to the highways and the byways, to go into the and the byroads, and the hedges, and to compel and invite people, because you have prepared this great banquet, the gospel, and you, the master, in this parable, commands us to go out and invite people. Father, may we be open to such a command. May our hearts desire it when we think of what you have done, when we think of the gospel that we have in Jesus Christ, the change in our lives. Father, may we go forth, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You know, when we look at the days in which we live, these are fascinating days, days that are, have great opportunities before us. Never before have we had opportunity of reaching so many people with all the technology and means that we have today, of impacting the world for Jesus Christ. And yet I say these are, these are difficult days because we have before us the church which is kind of struggling, a church that is challenged, a church that needs to go forth. You know, when we think of, first of all, the, the opportunity that we have to share the gospel. When we look around us and we see people, they don't want to hear the gospel. People are closed to the gospel. We'll try to build bridges with people in the neighborhoods. We'll try to get connected with fam family and friends, maybe work acquaintances. And it's not like people are saying, please, come into my life. Tell me about this gospel. Why? Because they're in this, this dead state. 
They're in this state that they're opposed. They're in this state that they're blind spiritually. Their master is not the master that we just sang, sang about and prayed to or we read about. They have a different master. And they're opposed to it because they're dead spiritually. You know, we look at our world and we get repulsed by just the direction we're going, the godlessness, but their God is not our God. We should not be surprised by that. But that's the world. So it's challenging when we look at the darkness, we look at the drift of the world and their intolerance. And yet there are great opportunities before us because God still is the master. God's in control. God's directing and calling us to. But it's also challenging, secondly, not only the condition of the people, but look at the church. When we look at who we are, we that have trusted in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we that have put our faith and trust in him, and we have the command, go and make disciples. We read in Acts where it says, go to, the, um, to be witnesses to me, to the uttermost parts of the earth. We have these commands, and yet, is the church obedient? And we're praying towards that end as we have our theme, go to grow and and who's your one. We want to challenge one another and we want to get together in our accountability groups and our small groups and hear praises. And not because we're lifting a person and what they're witnessing, but we want to prod one another on to be faithful. But we look at the church. The reality is the church is AWOL, is it not? It's kind of absent without leave. Um, It's reported that probably about 95% of of Christians have never led anybody to Jesus Christ, maybe close to that even witnessing. You know, where are we? Where's the church? Um, we're nearsighted. We're not, we're not farsighted. We don't see the eternal. We see the temporal. And I'm not speaking of faith Baptist per se. I think we have a good focus, but can we approve 100%? Absolutely. But I look at Christianity in general. You know, where are we as soldiers for the gospel of Jesus Christ? We see this parable, and I want us to challenge as we look at this parable, that God's calling us and telling us, there's room, and I'm telling you, my servants, to go out and invite people in. There is still a great banquet feast. There's plenty of room. People are rejecting, but I'm telling you to get involved and share the gospel. Go out into the highways and byways. So we step into verse 15, and the backdrop is that this man has heard about Jesus talking about the resurrection of the just. And he gets kind of excited because the Jew was expecting to be part of this great banquet in the future. And he says, blessed is everyone who enters the kingdom of God. And he's imagining there's going to be this feast to which he certainly is going to be part of. All other Jewish people are going to be part of it. In fact, they're, they're imagining the great picture. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would be the ones putting, being at this feast and, and the prophets of God, and they were going to be there with them. And the Old Testament pictures that, and the parables of Jesus talks about a great feast. And so this man's energized by the subject and think, man, I'm, I'm right on. I'm going to be there. But Jesus gives this parable, gives this speech to challenge the man that, that he really has a false sense of security. He's believing he's going to be at this feast. But he's not understanding in reality many are rejecting. Many don't want to be at this feast. Many are not going to be there. So he's really challenging his confidence. That your confidence is false in what you're believing in. How a person has a relationship with God. Many are invited, but they really don't want to be at this feast. So we step into verses 16 and 17 and following. And we see God's great provision that's given in verse 16. But he said to him, a man, on a, great, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. So Jesus' story is about this man who is God. And he gave this great banquet. And apparently there's a preparatory invitation. So people 
knew that, kind of like save the date kind of a thing that we're getting now with weddings. You know, kind of like save the date. There's, a, there's an introductory in, invite. Apparently everyone accepted. No one declined. And now when it came time, and we see that kind of pictured in Esther, that she gave two invitations. When it came closer to actually the dinner, he sends his servant out now to invite the people. Okay, the meal is now prepared. It's time for you to come. He gave this great provision. Well, what is the great provision? What is this, this, this meal? Is it not the gospel? You know, Tim prayed, Lawrence, and we all, we, we were led in prayer with four men. We're praying, God, may the gospel impact young souls. We want to see young people come and have opportunity without forcing the gospel on them, but in the, their tenderness of moment, and to see them come to trust in Christ. And, and we're praying for that. We're praying for families to be reached. Well, here's the gospel, to take people as dozens, maybe hundreds in this room, we were once blind spiritually. We were once separated from God. We were once trusting in what we can do, right, for salvation. We were once members of another family, were we not? We were in Satan's family. We were held captive. And the gospel came in. Whoever that that means was, that messenger, that opened up the word of God to us, maybe a parent, maybe a grandparent, maybe a pastor, maybe a missionary, maybe a friend at work, that opened up the gospel and showed us that we were separate from God and we put our faith and trust in Christ and everything changed. In one word, in one moment, we are now at the banquet table of Jesus Christ. Christ is that table. Christ is that banquet. Sin-laden, hungry hearts come to Christ. And so when we're looking at this parable, this table, Christ is the substance of that great supper. In fact, it says in John 6, I am the bread of life. He that hungers, he that comes to me shall never hunger. And he that believes on me shall never what? Shall never thirst. So Christ is that great supper. And God is the one putting on this invitation, inviting people to come. It's a liberal offering. It's an awesome offering. It's, it's pretty amazing when you see people that, that are open and start to, to ask questions and they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. There's nothing lacking on God's part, and he invites this. You see the word, the word come. And, and he invited people to come in verse 17. Come for everything is now ready. He's addressing them. Come. The inv- invites out. I'm inviting you to come. One of my favorite Bible stories that I take through, and I've been through it three or four times in the, in the last six months, with new believers is the story of hope. With a person that has put their faith and trust. Let me give you now an overview of the Bible. 20 stories from the Old Testament, 20 stories from the New Testament, and we work through that. But it's continually, it's called a story of hope. Because in the midst of sin, in the midst of tragedy, God has a plan from eternity past. And it's unfolding in Genesis 3.15. The seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And then it comes forth. One day he's coming, the Messiah is coming. Well, the story of hope. And that's what this, this, this dinner invitation is. Come. Because I have a hope for you in a hopeless world, a world that, that, is, that, that is apart from God. See, see, hopelessness knows no gender. It knows no wealth. It knows no age boundaries. People are hopeless. People are desperate. People are apart from God. People are suicidal sometimes because they're at, at the bottom of the barrel. But Christ comes in with this message of hope. So here's this gracious offer in verses 18 to 20. It's rejected. Um, he gives his invitation, he sends out message, and they start to come up with, with excuses. Each of the guests that had apparently agreed to come, now they come up with excuses. Put yourself in the shoes of this 
this generous host. Let's say you planned a, a wedding event or you planned a uh, um, 60th birthday party. Um, happy birthday, Brian, two days late. Um, or let's say you planned just a special anniversary, whatever, and you, you just say, we're just going gung-ho, there's no restrictions, and you invite hundreds of guests. I mean, that's really over the top, right? But let's say you're, you're, that's your choice. So you invite a couple hundred people, and you're going to do most of the cooking yourself. Maybe you have some friends you're going to do all the cooking. You get all of the material together. You get the special celebrations. You get decorations, and you spend months getting all of the right stuff, all of the right material together. You invited everyone. Everyone said they're coming. They're excited to come. And you start to cook days before time, and you're able to freeze just the right stuff and whatever you cook ahead of time. Then you have a host of you get together that day, and you're cooking all the main meals and all of that energy that went into it, then you start to get messages. You get a text message. I'm sorry, you know what? I, I can't make it because, you know, my, my dog is sick and it's just throwing up and I, I can't leave my dog. You know, people do that, right? Or you get a, get a message, you know what? I just bought a, I bought a new car yesterday and I really need to take it out for a test drive today to see how it's running. Um, or maybe they'll say, you know what, I'm just concerned that it's a little chilly. I mean, it is only going to get to be 76 today, and we're outside, and I'm a little concerned about that. Or maybe they'll say, you know, I was just married um, um, two years ago, <laughs> and I need to spend time with whatever the, cr- the crazy excuses. How would you feel at this? Here is the most generous meal offered, and remember the person is God. And he's put together this, this invitation, this meal, this great supper. And Jesus Christ is the one that paid the price. And now he's given this challenge in this parable to this anonymous guest. You have a false sense of security. You think you're going to be at that guest. But you really, you're rejecting the gospel. You're rejecting in how a person truly gets a relationship with God. How they really get to this meal. But it was planned from eternity past as Peter tells us in 1 Peter. Look at the excuses, verse 18. The first guy said, I bought a field. You know, he begs off, I, I can't come. You know, I-, I bought a field. I really like to be there. You know, I look at that. I said, how many people buy property without looking at it? Okay, you want to say, okay, reality TV program, this happens. All right, but usually they look at least the outside on those programs. Okay, maybe they can't get inside, but they're looking at the outside. They have an idea. And even if they didn't see the property, is that property going to be there the next day? So you see the lame excuse that's coming forth here. Um, you know, when challenging people with the gospel, if, you've, if we have tried to be obedient to, to God's command to share, and we hear responses of people, don't you often hear, I cannot come? Don't you hear that response? Well, you know, I just, I just cannot come. You know, they're concerned about possessions. Oh, I, I don't, I, I don't want to hear you right now. I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm too busy. I don't want to, I, I don't care about this stuff now. Because they're consumed by things. That's what this man was, consumed by things. Or there's a second excuse. This guy says, you know, I have five, five yoke of oxen. I got to go out and test them and make sure that, uh, you know, they're going to do what, what they said they could do. Now, how many of you would buy a used car and just buy it without taking it for a test drive. Would you, would you do that? You're smart to not raise your hand. <laughs> I mean, you, 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 whether you buy a new car or a used car, you're going to take it out for a test drive. But even if you don't take it out for a test drive, will that car still be there tomorrow? Yes. 
the, the oxen, even if he wanted to test them, he could do it tomorrow, even if he didn't test to see how strong they are, that they're not some crippled oxen that are dragging one foot as they're dragging a plow. You know, he could test them the next day. The man just has no interest. Have you ever met people, maybe at work you build relationships with, and you say, hey, can we go out to lunch? And, and, and you do, and you start to talk about the gospel. You say, man, you know, don't go there right now. I'm just, you know, I don't really care to hear that. You know, I, I, that's not who I am. Or, or maybe you want to set up an, a meeting with someone. I'm busy right now. Or, you know, when can we get to go? Well, you know, I'm pretty busy for the next three years. <laughs> um, that kind of thing. You know, our neighbor that lives a few doors down on this side here, not the walkers. <laughs> um, I think they're all right with salvation. But we invited them over for, to our house for dessert um, back in May. And he says, oh, you know, the date that we chose, my son's playing baseball. And their kids are involved in, in, in baseball. So I texted back, okay, when are you available the next two months? No response. I said, okay, we'll just keep praying. But, you know, we don't quit, right? We don't quit. So, well, you know, it's this, this gospel thing it just doesn't work. I can't share the gospel. Nobody's interested. Well, they're, they're hard. There are a lot of people that aren't interested. But we're going to see there are a lot of people that are. What I heard a, a pastor in Hackensack, New Jersey once say, he said, we preach, pray, and plug away. We keep at it, right? We keep preaching. We keep teaching. We keep reaching. We keep plugging away. God, I want to be faithful. I'm not going to get discouraged because somebody said no. In fact, somebody even yelled at me once. <laughs> you know, and sharing, wanted to share the gospel with them, you might say. But that's all right. We keep praying. We keep plugging away because there are people out there that God has. Well, we move on, and we see the third excuse this guy says. He says, you know, I just, I just took a wife, okay, and, you know, I, I, I can't make it. Well, is that an excuse? You took a wife? All right, congratulations, you took a wife. All right, happy wife, happy life. But, you know, but that's okay. You have a wife, but it doesn't mean you can't go. You see, it doesn't say anywhere in the Old Testament that you couldn't have social obligations fulfilled. Okay, I got it, military, if there is military, you know, you could take a little bit of time off. Don't get involved in battle. Enjoy married life. But then there's a time to fight also. But it doesn't say that you weren't to fulfill social obligations. In fact, quite the opposite. We have social obligations. There, we're not to be exempt. We're to be involved in one another's lives. So here are three excuses that Jesus gives that gives a vivid picture that people just, a lot of people aren't interested in the gospel. Um, we heard about that this morning, the broad ver road versus the narrow road. It is a broad road to destruction. But you know what? Praise God, there's another road. And, and people are on that road. People that have heard the gospel, people that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they're on the road of eternal life. So Jesus now, we see the, the story flipping and we see the generous side. I want us to look at the heart of God in verses 21 to 23. So the servant came and reported to his master what has happened. And the master was, was angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you've commanded is done, and still there's room. So he tells him, when he hears this result, and that, that, that people actually had said, no, no, they're not coming. They gave excuses. He says, Now go out and get more people. He was disappointed. He was upset. He compels them, go out into the highways and the hedges. They're the major roads that are outside of the city. Okay, so we looked in the city. 
But he doesn't stop right there. He says, oh, okay, nobody's coming. He says, keep going. In fact, go further out. Go outside of the city. Keep searching and look under the hedges. Maybe that's where the derelicts would be sleeping. Look out further beyond. Keep searching. Keep digging. Keep inviting. Keep bringing people in. But look, at there are two words that are, that are pretty awesome. The word compel and the word fill. We see the, the passion of God. God is the, the master here. He says, I want you to compel people. That kind of means to force, okay? You know, when it comes to tomorrow at 6.30, if Titus says he doesn't want to be in my group tomorrow in my first grade, I'm going to compel you to be in my... No, not really. (laughs) But (laughs) Dave might beat me up if I make his son. No, but the idea of compel is to force something. And and Jesus is saying, go and force people. Do you see his, his desire for people to come to this meal? Do we see his invitation? God wants people to be in his family. And he uses the word filled. I want my house to be filled. We want this house to be filled because God wants his house to be filled. We desire to see pews. I, I want to see a story here. Hey, here's a Listina's neighbor. Here's the Smith's neighbor. Here's the Carver's contact that they have. Here's the culture. Not so we can say, I have more feathers in my hat than you. We want to rejoice in what God's doing in people's lives in a house that's filled because God wants his house filled. So the heart of the master, do, do we see that? Look, he wants us to go out and reach people. I shared it last week. One of the things that we really were after in the Grand Canyon in our devotions is in that setting, look at who God is. Look at what he has done all around us. And then from there, this awesome, powerful, supreme, eternal being, look at it inwardly. He wanted to have a relationship with us. He invited us in. The gospel takes effect. Who God is and what he has done. Who is God and what he has done. Here is this supreme being creator wanting his house filled. Do, do we get that? He wants his house filled. I mean, he, he wants to hang out with you, Tim, for all of eternity. I mean, I kind of understand you're a nice guy. But, but I mean, he wants to hang out with us mortal, sinful beings for all of eternity. Bring him glory. He says, I want my, my, my house filled. What should be our response? I've highlighted in blue so I wouldn't miss it. Be driven to fulfill his will and desire. That should really be my response. When I look at who God is, and I have in the back that story screaming from a few chapters down the road to the next chapter, Luke 15, the prodigal son and the father. He kept looking for his return That's the kind of heavenly father we have that's compelling people. So how can I, that's tasted of this banquet meal, that's tasted of this this incredible delicacies laid before me in the gospel of Jesus Christ and all that entails in that, the forgiveness and that relationship I have in him, how can I not be a faithful witness to others? How can I, the beggar, not share with other beggars where the food is? And this is where God is calling us, that we would be driven to fulfill his will as the father is looking what is the mission of the church? That's our theme this year. What is, it, what is the church's mission? It's a church's mission to sit and enjoy the banquet, you know, just gobble up more food and become pudgy on God's goodness. 
what is the mission of the church? Our mission is, God, I want, to, I, I want to go out. I need to go out. God, I want to find people that are searching. God, bring people into my path. Bring people that I can meet today to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to pray that. A week and a half um, ago, Jonathan Palmer and I were sitting out at Dunkin' Donut, and uh, we're just chatting, and this God, it was a God thing, brought this 90-year-old man right up to our table, and he just started talking. Maybe because Jonathan looked so young and, and um, interested, and he just started talking to us. And um, just 10 minutes there, just a brief opportunity to share the gospel with him. Gave him a track, and, and he looked on the name in the back, and he said, is this you? No, no, he, he's a lot older than I am. I'm not Pastor Walker. I'm Dave Crompton. <laughs> so I wrote my name down. And um, gave him my cell number. I don't know if his name is Nazarino, nice Italian name, whether he'll call me. Um, and then a week later, you're going to think I hang out at the Dunkin' Donut all the time. But um, um, Alan and I were there. That was this past Friday. And as we're there, um, the barber that has cut my hair in the past, and I, I haven't seen him much lately, um, but his daughter, he and his daughter came to Dunkin' Donut. And I've given him my number before. He just is a guy that I, I, I sense is open and, and um, just need in his life, and I beg him, to give me a call. Let's go out to, to lunch, and let's, let's talk about the needs in your life. And so I mentioned that to him again on, on Friday. He says, you know, I am going to do that, but he's been saying that. But, but we pray, God, bring, give us opportunities. God, keep my heart open. Keep me, keep me looking. Keep looking for the one in my life, God, um, that, that you, could, you could richly bless and we could see an incredible um, harvest brought in for your glory. Um, God is so generous. God is so open. God is so awesome that he offers this meal. But we look in verse 24 in the end to these people that had rejected. I tell you, none of those who were invited shall taste of my banquet. Today is a day of salvation that God is offering people. And even tonight, if you are here and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, God gives you an opportunity tonight to be sure that, that, I be, that you belong to God and you will spend eternity with him. But also to the rest of us that know Christ, he's calling us, he's telling us, we need to go forth and we need to be that obedient servant where we are sharing the gospel, that we are with people that were involved in their lives. You know, Bryce Osberger, or I'm sorry, David Osberger, Bryce is a, another guy that I know. Um, David Osberger in his book, Witness is With, Withness, tells this story or this, this imaginary story about a man who just arrived in heaven. And he's there and he's walking towards where there's this massive crowd. And um, he's um, walking there and somebody says to him, well, show and tell time. Is there something that you would like to talk about? And um, he says, well, no. Yeah, I guess I could talk about there was in 1889, there was this massive flood in Pennsylvania that I was part of. And he says, well, yeah, you could share that. But just remember, uh, Noah's going to be in the audience. You know, and I think of that story that we, we spend so much of our time talking about things that are so insignificant that just don't matter, Right? I mean, you're kind of with me on that, or am I the only one that talks about insignificant things? You know, and you're going on, and, you know, you're, you're even, I mean, I love sports, but it gets to be a point where enough with the NBA trade talk stuff, shut the stupid thing off, and can we talk about something that's more life-changing? Um, and on and on it may go, but, but as we look at, at life, let us not talk about little things for so long. Let us talk about important things for so long. 
And here is, is, is the gospel that's life-changing. God, may we be people that talk about what's most important. Many years ago, true story, they were panning for gold in Montana. And these guys had a stake in this certain part of the land, and they hit it rich. I mean, they pulled apart this one stone, and it was the, the mother load. And it was just all over the place, and they were just stocking up their supplies and the gold. Then they ran out where they needed to go to town to get more supplies. And these three guys said, listen, we're, we're not going to tell anybody that we found this so we could keep getting all this gold. And so they all agreed, the three of them, they would go to town, not say a word. And they went to town, got the supplies, and when they were coming out, there was literally a massive mob with supplies ready to follow them. And they were shocked and said, well, who told you that we discovered the gold? You know what they said? You didn't need to. Your faces showed it. Your countenance showed it. Does our countenance show that we found the gold? Has it changed our lives? We know the gospel. We are sitting at the banquet table. We've experienced the forgiveness of sins. Do we remember that we were lost, that we were dead, we were outside the family of God, but we have been brought in. The certain master, the man of the story, our great heavenly father has changed our lives. God, may my countenance, may all the gospel that is done for me drive me to share that with other people. Let's close in prayer. God, we love you. We thank you for the great feast that you have prepared Father, I am so inadequate to describe such a great feast. But thank you for what the scripture says, that we have been brought into the family of God, that we have been adopted, that we have experienced redemption, that we have been given the forgiveness of sins, that we have an inheritance, eternal security of the spirit within us. And that, Father, we're heading to heaven one day to spend eternity with you. God, what an inheritance, what a feast has been set before us. God, may we be driven to share that with others. May we not hoard it. May we not be consumed with the temporal. God, may we pursue the eternal. For your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.